0: Well, we maybe we didn't beat the team, but we damn near killed their mascot. So hello, welcome to all four quarters, your one stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's Christmas time and there's no need to be afraid unless you're one of the several teams that are now eliminated. Hey, we got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Oh. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks down in, I believe, Cavan and Athlone at the moment? Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, no, Christmas going fine, meeting the family, and uh, otherwise staying away from people because of the rampant
0: virus. Ah, oh, Sean, you were doing that before it was cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've I I've been blazing that trail for, for about a, a year now. am just glad the rest of the world has caught up with my way of being.
2: I would probably be similar, to in Cavan but you know, my family, extended family, is incredibly large. So statistically, you end up having people who care less about it and end up showing up anyway. There's a non-trivial probability that you know I might have been exposed. The new NFL rules, I'd only be out five days
0: anyway. Yes, you could probably make the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> managed to manage to avoid it so far, but I will say one of the wife's sisters partner got it over in London but was asymptomatic and is now cleared of it but it meant they couldn't come over for Christmas but I got my booster shot today so happy days I'm, I'm hopefully more immune now or I've got superpowers one of the two yeah overall it's been been a fun if a bit more quiet Christmas period than we're kind of used to although I suppose we've been traveling all over anyway so uh fingers crossed uh, we all stay safe enough to you know keep pairing through into January football which actually for a number of teams and it's probably where we're going to kick off the news might be the first time in a long time that they've played January football because 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 we will have teams who are not in the playoffs playing January football, just not very relevant January football. So we'll kick off with a look at some of the Playoff permutations network, kind of two games to the end of the regular season. I'll kick off with the AFC and then Fitz, you can kind of lead in the NFC. So, what do we know in the AFC so far? We know that Kansas City have won the AFC West and they have locked in a playoff position, but what that spot is is still yet to be decided. It's airing towards the one seed, but there's some bits need to go for that. So, what's up for grabs? The number one seed, Kansas City, are in the lead for that. They have to play Cincinnati and Denver. Uh, they get the number one if they win out. Realistically, it's most likely, I would imagine, that if they win one of those, they'll have. It. If they were to beat Cincinnati, I could see it a relatively dead rubber game against Denver, but we'll see. Tennessee are in the mix. They have the head-to-head over Kansas City. They're a game behind. Miami's coming to them and they're at Houston, but they're also still shorthanded. Buffalo at 9-6 and six are in their Indianapolis at 9-6 and six, and New England at 9-5. and five. So there's a couple of ones in that fight. Realistically, when we look at this, what do we think? Tennessee maybe have a shot. Like, so that's an easy enough schedule they've got in front of them and they're only a game back, right? Tennessee are the king
2: of tiebreakers. They have the head-to-head over Kansas City, over Buffalo and the Colts. The only team that would win on a head-to-head is New England and it's a rather unusual situation uh, where Kansas City, New England... And whoever were also in there, it might be interesting. I think New England would win a three-way tie on their AFC record because the conference tie record's the one that comes after head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, look, Kansas City, they're in the driving seat, but they probably have a really tough matchup against Cincinnati this week that we'll talk about later. And then Denver, like they're not, a, like, not an automatic win for Kansas City. So Tennessee, even though they've obviously been quite bad for the last month or so, they have Miami, a tough enough challenge against a team who's currently in the number seven seed. After that win that they had this week in San Francisco, Tennessee are very much in the running to potentially get Kansas City if they have any slip-up. Buffalo, Indianapolis, New England, look, there's an outside chance those guys could catch up, but right now, for me, it's probably likely Kansas City and Tennessee are the only one who won I think would have a realistic chance given the other guys have to, have to make up a two-game deficit at this point.
1: I would think with the form that the Chiefs are in, I mean, the Bengals are tough. I think they'll, they'll be comfortable enough against the Broncos. And I the Titans, I mean... Yes, on paper, the Texans are an easy game, but they did lose quite badly to them earlier in the season. I mean, it is dependent on how much they get their their offensive piece of back and stuff. So I think the Chiefs are the f- favourites of one seed. I'd be very surprised if anyone else um, got in there, which is amazing considering where we were at the halfway point of the season where they were looking like they weren't even going to make the playoffs. So it's quite an impressive run by the Chiefs and makes them I mean yeah makes them favourites to to go all the way to the Super Bowl if they have home field advantage uh, throughout the playoffs which is going to be big in an AFC in which everyone is quite tight together in terms of their quality
0: Okay so we'll we'll look then at AFC North which I think is a very compelling one at the moment obviously we mentioned there Cincinnati are going playing Kansas City this weekend and then they've got Cleveland the week after realistically this looks like it's setting up for a very exciting end if they lose to Kansas City there's a strong chance that we might and the Browns win at Pittsburgh then we'll be looking for a kind of a playing for who gets the AFC North title on week 18 so I think the AFC North is pretty fun uh, AFC East is also close particularly following that Buffalo win over New England so they're at nine and six they've also got New England at nine and five it's kind of it's all kind of the play for Buffalo have most of the tiebreakers I believe as well in that the AFC South Tennessee kind of have it unless something surprising happens with the Colts. They're a game back, so the Tennessee play Miami and at Houston, as mentioned. The Colts play Vegas and Jacksonville, so it's all about Tennessee being able to hold serve. Out of those, is there any ones that kind of jump out? It's obviously the AFC West. We kind of we know who's won it, and uh, we'll talk about the rest of them in the wild card. Any of those jump out at you? I'm I'm expecting a week eighteen showdown for the AFC North.
1: The way the AFC North has gone this season, all the teams are fairly close to another. I think it would. The only justifiable ending is it's going to go down to like a last minute field goal probably in the Browns Bengals game I would think I mean it's amazing the Browns season has been all over the place and yet if they win their last two games they're probably going to win the division unless the Ravens can manage to beat the Rams I think is, is the big game that the the Ravens could the Ravens could still steal the division they could get to 10 and 7 basically is, is the thing there but given the way the AFC North does it it just has to go down to the end it's been the, one of the craziest divisions I think I've ever seen where no none of the teams have looked any way stronger than the other ones and each have looked very vulnerable at times especially to each other expect that the big Ohio showdown between the Bengals and the Browns could, could be a decider and could go to, all the way to the finish and it would be amazing if the Browns pull it off but I mean it also would be amazing if the Bengals make it it's got all the storylines going for it so that's the one I'm kind of looking out for the other ones I think are pretty much Locked up. I can't see the bills dropping in the east, and the titans surely have enough of a lead in the south to hold on there.
0: That's if it's the the AFC East is now interesting. So both at nine and six, but obviously Buffalo have the record over them. They've got Atlanta who are mm, uh, at the moment, and the Jets who are you know fun fun moments, but are not particularly strong. Whereas New England have what Jags followed by the Dolphins. So. It's kind of they're looking for Buffalo to slip up here really, right?
2: Of course both these teams will be relevant for the wild card spot if they don't win the division. So they're likely playing hard no matter what happens this week. Yeah. Uh, but look for Buffalo, the Atlanta and the Jets, you would expect them to beat those two teams. If they can't get that done then you know a lot of the kind of hope that we've gained over the last couple of weeks will probably be extinguished quite quickly and yeah for the side Tennessee just need to take care of business after that win against San Francisco I think we can expect that they get at least one win so yeah the AFC North where the action is most likely to be but look if Cincinnati pull off the opposite against Kansas City that will pretty much be wrapped up as well.
0: Yeah and then the wild card obviously we say losers of Buffalo, New England, Tennessee, Indianapolis and then Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland will be kind of in there alongside Miami, the Chargers, Las Vegas surprisingly still and Denver like a lot of teams who really shouldn't still be there are still in there but the beauty and the on and the badness of this this extended playoff situation. So at the moment, Indianapolis are in, New England are in, Miami are in, but that can change quite drastically over the next two weeks. So there's a lot to keep an eye out on the AFC. There's a lot less deciding it. There's an awful lot more parity sitting in that at the moment. I'll kick over to you, Fitz, to have a chat about the NFC. There's a little bit more known in here, but there are still quite a good couple of competitions.
2: The NFC is, yeah, a lot more certain right now. Like we know the Green Bay are going to win the NFC North. We know Tampa Bay are going to win the NFC South. We know that Dallas are going to win the NFC East and we know that one of Arizona or the Rams is going to win the NFC West and that both of them will be in the playoffs regardless. So in terms of what we actually need to look for over the last couple of weeks, like the big thing is probably the number one seed. Green Bay are in the driving seat here. They have a one-game advantage over all of their rivals. And if they win out against Minnesota and the Detroit Lions, then they will get the number one seed. Those are two very winnable games, though, of course, Minnesota will be fighting for their own wildcard chance at the same time, so uh, they'll be getting no favours there. Uh, They have a head-to-head tiebreaker over both the NFC West teams who are relevant, so they will obviously win uh, any ties with those two, and then they would likely win uh, a conference tiebreaker over Tampa Bay. They end up tied, it would almost certainly be uh, Green Bay winning that tiebreaker, but they would lose to Dallas on the NFC record a conference tiebreaker. Uh, So for Green Bay, look, look, the way they've been playing, even though there's been some questions on the back end of games you know it's fairly certain i think like you would put your money on them getting them one seed right now but keep an eye out for dallas 13 it seems to be getting hot right now so they'll be waiting if green bay do manage to slip up the others uh much more difficult path for them to get the number one seed in the bye the only other major thing to look out for in terms of divisional stuff is the nfc west the rams obviously now have the major advantage after arizona basically collapsing over the last month they have a one game advantage at 11 wins over arizona's 10 and if they win out of course they will get to division if they end up tied it will depend how that tie came about basically if Arizona beat Seattle in week 18, in the final week, then they will have the tiebreaker over the Rams due to divisional record. But if they beat Dallas but lost to Seattle, it would go to conference record, and I believe the Rams would win in that situation. So it'll depend on that situation there. But I think the Rams, based on their form, based on Baltimore obviously being kind of a dead team almost at this point, just in terms of all the injuries. And San Francisco, they're probably a better team than them, though they'll have a lot to play for. I'd say the Rams are paper for the NFC West right now.
0: The big question we have to ask, this is for Sean now, Will we be watching Minnesota in the wildcard range?
2: <laughs> God, probably
0: the
1: options not. aren't really appealing. I mean, obviously, the one spot for the Rams or the Cardinals, mm-hmm. probably one spot for the 49ers, and then it's. I mean, I kind of hoping the Eagles do because they're the most palatable of the teams that are left. Oh, but their game this
0: week was so bad.
1: I mean, this is what you get when you have a seven seed: is that you do get down to these kind of quality of teams every once in a while. So it's the Eagles, it's the Vikings, it's the Falcons, and the Saints. Falcons, the most boring team in football to watch. The Vikings, I long-standing feud with them is well known. The Saints have no offense. The Eagles are very flawed as well, but. Maybe they're the most exciting team there that you'd actually want to see in a game. In terms of competitiveness, the Eagles probably for me, but it probably will be the Vikings, knowing how things are going on.
2: San Francisco and Philly are 8-7, so obviously in the driving seat. And then Minnesota, Atlanta, and New Orleans are all on 7-8. and eight. Uh, San Francisco have a head-to-head over Philly, so they're probably going to make the playoffs unless they shit the bet against Houston, and they have uh, head-to-heads over most of the other competitors as well. Philly have a head-to-head over the two NFC South, Atlanta and New Orleans, and New Orleans have a head-to-head over Atlanta uh, at the moment. Philly and San Francisco will probably win the NFC record as well, uh, a tiebreaker, so yeah, I think right now, there's actually a lot more certainty in the NFC, despite our reputation of the NFC wildcard being a bit of a mess. I think San Francisco and Philly are very much in the driving seat and Minnesota, Atlanta, and New Orleans will not not need a miracle, but everything is stacked against them right now both in terms of the games that they're playing and the team games that their competitors are playing in my opinion
0: the other little bit that we'll look at and this is obviously the number the hunt for the number one pick at the moment Jacksonville have it they're playing at New England and they've also got Indianapolis so you gotta imagine they're gonna hold on to it to be honest the next one up behind them is Detroit 2 and 12 who are playing at Seattle and playing Green Bay also not easy games realistically I'm imagining Jacksonville hold on to this number one pick at this point unless something very strange happens
2: yeah like look they're lost to the Jets in rather embarrassing fashion pretty much rock lock, locks it up for them and look Detroit have an outside chance but if someone was to get a shock win it would be more likely to be Detroit than Jacksonville based on what we're seeing for the last Two
0: months or so uh, other news in the league COVID-19 a record 106 players were put on the COVID list on Monday with over 500 in total for the December this is more than there was in the entirety of last season which is a lot so a couple of notable players uh, Carson Wentz Mike Evans Matt Judon Julio Jones Bud Dupree there's a few other ones obviously each team has their own kind of ones who no one knows but is actually a key special teamer and stuff like that the big move this week in the COVID stuff is not just the scale of it but that they've decided to amend their own return to play restrictions to match the cdc's movement to a five-day instead of a 10-day isolation period this means that you know players who are recovered asymptomatic and all that kind of stuff regardless of vaccination status will be allowed back after five days this means what we were looking at beforehand with the likes of carson wentz going onto the COVID list would have meant that he was gone for 10 days and would miss the next two games which are obviously key to them figuring out their playoff seating and and so on whereas this means now it might just be one game he missed if he ends up asymptomatic slash with a recovery within the time. So, big change. Probably good. As long as, you know, as long as this doesn't mean that people are able to sneak back on while still infectious or things like that it's probably good because particularly when you're coming to playoff periods you don't want to be missing players for multiple weeks if possible yeah particularly some of those players although some of them have not maybe played up to up to scratch julio jones the last month of matt judon in particular popping to mind you don't want to be sitting in a spot where you suddenly lose a starter for two weeks during the playoffs and if this works and doesn't increase any infections and that's a positive i think for the quality of play we'd see in the playoffs Certainly don't disagree that it would
2: probably lead to better football, uh, having players more likely to play. The scientific basis for this change from the CDC is somewhat questionable, but we won't get into the debates of how uh, American corporate culture is now influencing public health. Uh, but the, uh, you know, the NFL unsurprisingly is following the official advice from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in the US. And they say that five days of not having symptoms is, is sufficient or five days after your initial test. If you now have no symptoms, you're allowed back out. So it's not even restrictive as that. They are now following that. And the big thing, obviously, there is for the unvaccinated players where previously they were basically mandated to have 10 days out. So probably missing at least one week off in two weeks. Now, if you get caught on the Monday you're likely to get you're likely to be back into the squad if you happen to not have symptoms after that point of course that is relying on the fact that players will accurately and honestly give their symptoms and even within the guidance issued by the NFL and the NFLPA there was a kind of suggestion of what fully recovered would mean you know if you still got like a little bit of a you know cough or sneeze does that count or not and they seem to be erring on the side that you know they would make a judgment call on that so I don't know about that situation like our our understanding of the sciences that COVID-19, after being symptomatic, it is likely that you wouldn't be spreading this far into it, that there have been cases where people have been spreading up to 12 days after their initial diagnosis. So, you know, it's not a slam dunk here. But look, this is a case where... Over 500 players have been found positive over the last month, which is more than the entirety of last season. The NFL is obviously a situation where a lot of games have probably been decided already this year in the last couple of weeks because of this. And they're probably keen to avoid that, especially once the playoffs come in. There's just going to be that huge incentive for players to downplay their symptoms if the choice is between not playing in a playoff game or playing in a playoff game. And that's a choice a lot of them are likely to be making over the next month.
0: Hopefully it doesn't have any negative impacts in the longer term. But yeah, I understand as well that they maybe are making business decisions here rather than medical decisions. We'll move on and have a look at some of the injuries around the league. So some of the serious ones. Jacksonville running back James Robinson finally released from, 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 from the ire of his uh, of Urban Meyer. He, he was allowed to play and he immediately has now gone and done his Achilles. He's gone for the season and this might potentially affect his 2022 status. Sad news for him. Tampa Bay Edge, Zach Barrett has done an MCL and ACL sprain. They are hoping... That he'll be back for the playoffs he will miss the rest of the regular season but they're hoping he'll be back for the playoffs and Rams Daryl Henderson who's injured his knees a minimum three weeks on IR but might be back for the playoffs and their linebacker Jones has injured his ankle and is week to week so serious one for James Robinson obviously no playoff implications because it's Jacksonville but also given that they did draft Travis Etienne and stuff as well it does mean that even though he's an incredibly talented player this might have a knock-on effect to him career-wise with Jacksonville right
1: obviously the Jacksonville season is completely over this point and Robinson wasn't making a big contribution to them anyway I, the big thing is this 2022 status I mean in a team like Jacksonville especially if they have a new head coach who has new ideas about what they want to do and they have Trevor Lawrence coming into his second year so they may start moving towards a, a more pass heavy game or whatever I mean there's this is gonna be a lot of uncertainty right and to be in a position where you're unknown how available you will be for 2022 or, or how fit you will be it's obviously even for someone of Robinson's talent a bit of a problem situation to be in I mean these Achilles injuries they can I I know from other sports they can end players careers not just in terms of you know straight out but can reduce their ability to to perform at the level they used to play at there's a lot of footballers for example who come back much reduced um, after injuries like this so it's going to be an interesting one to see it's not a place a player wants to be at when a a situation is uncertain as they have in Jacksonville right now
2: Shaq Barrett's definitely a loss for Tampa Bay. We'll see if they have anything to play for. And for the Rams, Henderson has been really effective for them this year, but Sony Michel has been stepping up recently. And even Cam Akers has been activated off IR in recent weeks and might even have a, a cameo or two. The other injuries where San Francisco's quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo has injured his thumb and some lig- ligament um, so he's week to week there's some pessimism that he's able to play in week 17 Clyde Edwards a CEH he's injured his shoulder thankfully came back negative on the x-rays so he's expected to be week to week and I'm sure they're hoping to get some uh, continued results from him as they go for number one seed and Philly obviously a big run game team they're missing Miles Sanders for at least one week possibly up to three weeks the rest of the regular season and we'll see how he gets in the playoffs to they get that far and Jordan Howard's also an injury he's week to week as well you know they'll be relying on guys Isaac Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell to fill in there. The big one here is probably Jimmy Garoppolo, San Francisco, right in that wildcard hunt. And obviously Trey Lance has been pretty up and down in his cameo so far this season. So not what they want to see at the moment when they're no. fighting for so much of it.
0: And uh, other news from around the league, NFL legend John Madden has died at the age of 85, his Super Bowl winning coach, but he's probably best known for the video games, for his football analysis, for a lot of his, his catchphrases and his very... I think very often imitated kind of quotes throughout American media. I remember a lot of, lot of lot of Simpsons cameos when I was younger and didn't know who he was. And then once I realized who he was, I re re-enjoyed them slightly differently. Very, very, very good guy. I, re- I heard a very funny story about him from his time as a uh, Raiders uh, head coach where they lost a particularly bad game to the Chiefs that led them to score a lot of points. And at the time, the Chiefs had a... So the, 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 the horse war paint, when they scored, would run a lap of the pitch around it and uh when interviewed about it afterwards and said how did you get on how did you find the game he said uh, well we maybe we didn't beat the team but we damn near killed their mascot <laughs> that
1: was a good story
0: yeah but no well liked i must say it was it was the a combo of the games and that that helped me get into nfl at the start so uh i'll probably be going back and playing a few of them now whenever i get back uh, after my, my 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 tour of the families over christmas
1: no, yeah, just, just absolute legend. I mean, if you can win a Super Bowl with the Raiders, that probably solidifies your legendary status itself not to John his. Gruden uh, oh wait no he, not, he voted against them. <laughs> but yeah for Madden for my own I would have known him more as a football analyst and then obviously the Madden games as well he is the NFL sometimes has a history of trying to big up certain names and very few of them are actual legends but John Madden was a true legend and he he did change the way I think the commentators worked and stuff a lot of the the current analysts I mean people like Troy Aikman, Tony Romo Chris Collinsworth, a lot of them wouldn't have the style they would have, not for what Madden introduced in terms of the depth of analysis brought to games and, and the the kind of insightfulness that, that kind of became de rigueur for, for commentary. Um, so all around, you'll be missed. Big upping a, a documentary, I believe it was on NBC, and the way they were just talking about Madden shows that he's... Well, even before his death, he was a well-loved and well-fondly-remembered guy within the NFL, and he's going to be a loss for the league as a whole. You
2: know, obviously, someone who came to NFL at a later stage in life, uh, he was kind of, I think, finished commentating at that point, or, or very much on the down slope. But obviously, his video game, one of the biggest video game franchises in sports in the entire world probably only FIFA is bigger the impression that you get from all of the anecdotes and the documentaries and stuff is that John Madden loved football he loved the fuck out of football and that came across in the way that he commentated and he loved just talking about football and talking about any old thing that he could think of that was football adjacent or related in the biggest blowout or the tightest game and I think you know for a for a sport which you know You know, obviously, could have, you know, had such a limited geographical reach. I think having guys like Madden, their name out there, ended up being very important in the transition to being what is now an international sport. So, yeah, I think, you know, we said he's a legend. Like, he won a Super Bowl as a coach, and that's probably his least remembered achievement overall compared to what he was as a media personality compared to the games that he created. And I think that's a testament to the type of influence and, and vision he had for the NFL and what he brought to the
0: league so no it'll be badly missed and presumably he's going to be the cover of Madden next year but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes but yeah we'll move on and take a look at the games from last week <laughs> So first up, we have Buffalo at New England, 33-21. to 21. This was very exciting, kind of essentially a decider for the AFC East, unless something weird happens. Josh Allen went for 314, three touchdowns and 64 on the ground as the Buffalo offense overwhelmed the New England defense that they've been kind of hanging their hat on for a while. New England defense got no sacks, no turnovers. They allowed over 400 yards. Matt Jones was... Not great now, to be honest. Fourteen to thirty-two, one hundred and forty-five yards and two interceptions. He struggled. Now they were playing from behind. They weren't able to really get the run game going as they wanted. It very much felt like, as we said a couple of times, that like as good as this team has been and how they've been able to scheme around stuff, like this is still a rookie quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. This was one where it just didn't seem like it was going to be in them again. Buffalo reassumed control of the AFC East. They've got. Fairly easy schedule ahead. It's very hard to see, as we said at the start, the New England's coming back over them. i 100% expecting New England to make it into the playoffs as a wild card here, but this was a statement game coming into the playoff backstretch that Josh Allen, these bills, is to be taken seriously, that... They've kind of, it was a good kind of show that they can shake off that kind of slump they went into in kind of late November and are kind of rounding into a decent kind of form. It looked, it looked good. They looked like a solid unit. They looked good on offense, they good on defense. Yeah, like this is more, I think, of the Bills team that we were expecting to see coming into this season. And it's also probably closer to what we expected to see out of the New England team, to be honest, outside of like that big run they went on. This is probably roughly where we would have expected them to be.
1: Yeah, I'd agree on both those counts. I think this was the best performance I've seen from the Bills, certainly this season. The most complete offensive performance, both in terms of the kind of the plan they went into the game and how they executed it. And on the other side, it was, as I've said again, the Colts game last week, we're getting a better side, a sense of this side's limitations. I mean, nine and four almost felt a little bit of an exaggerated position for this uh, Pats team to be in. So now I, I think where they are a wildcard team is maybe more where they're at of what they did offensively i mean it was all josh allen He, he did so much Pats are stronger against the pass defensively than the run and one of the problems the bills had and this was kind of something that showed up in the corresponding fixture a few weeks ago was that they don't have enough of a run game to really exploit that so what the bills did was that they focused on the run they had allen making runs they 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 had their running backs doing an awful lot and eventually that forced the pats defense away from their previous game plan, which was to just basically put a man on on Stefan Diggs and keep him quiet in the old tradition of take away your strongest weapon that, that Belichick Pats has been doing for a long time. So once the run game opened it up and the, the defense has to start moving away from Diggs and start to focus on the run, that allowed them in the second half to bring Diggs in for some big throws in the third and fourth quarter. So very well scheming wise, but also execution. Josh Allen is on a great run of form. And I mean, the builds are starting to come together. I'm not perhaps still not convinced they're as good as they were last year because we've mm. seen their weaknesses. This is the first kind of big game they've actually managed to win. They've lost a lot of close ones um, earlier this season, but certainly the Bills are getting good at the right time. For the Pats, yeah, I mean, it's limitations. It's Mac Jones is still a rookie and very much showed it. The defense demonstrated that it can, when it doesn't execute well, it's not, It's not the number one defense in the league if it doesn't have this kind of consistency. Judon had a particularly quiet game. There was a a big misinterception opportunity for JC Jackson when they were only five points down near the end of the fourth. I mean, ultimately, the stat that really condemns this path fence is that they, Buffalo Bills had no punts at all during this game. Like, they literally could not get the Bills offense off the field, which ultimately cost them. And in that final drive, there were multiple, like, third and tens and, and then fourth down conversions. They just couldn't stop the Bills when it mattered. And for a, a defense that had been vaunted as much as they have this season, this was a kind of a big smack in the face of maybe you're not as good as you, as you expect to be. So for me, I think the Bills are going to, win this division, are they going to get to the Super Bowl and win it all? Probably not, I would say, but they will certainly be in the playoff fights. For the Pats, I think they will be a card team that no one probably wants to play, especially I don't think the Titans probably would have played them the way the, the Pats beat them down earlier in the season. But a troublesome card team but probably not anything more than that.
0: It was interesting you mentioned there that they couldn't get them off the field because I'll come to you on this. It's like the Buffalo went out and they seem to have a very clear idea in their head of what they were going to do and how they wanted to be perceived they went for it on four fourth downs i think they went three out of four on those fourth downs like they were saying anything that's short yardage we trust our offense to go out and do it and that's a confidence i don't think i saw from the earlier in the season
2: obviously that's a confidence not only the team as a whole but especially josh allen because ever since that second half performance against tampa bay they've basically said hey josh you win this this game. You win this, this game, passing the ball, you win us the game, rushing the ball, you are the centerpiece of this offense, and Sean's right, they did use the, the rushing game, the more uh, traditional rushing game, more in this game, and they've used it more Recently, to, to great effect, especially in the second half against Carolina last week, but it's still 15 carries total for the running backs, and the leading rusher was still Josh Allen. He has been playing out of his skin, it feels like, for the last two and a half games, and he's had to because the rest of this team hasn't really lived up to its reputation. Like the defense had a pretty good day here, Kelt, definitely kept Mac Jones in check, and thankfully, because they were ahead, they kept the kind of run game uh, from, from kind of dominating like they did in that, in that rain soaking game. But I think for right now, the Buffalo, you know, we've talked about 2021 being the the year of the run well josh allen can run the ball so maybe he's allowed it to that club as well <laughs> uh, because right now he is the buffalo bills he is pulling them piece by piece into the playoffs winning this division uh, potentially even if they get very lucky maybe into that number one seed. but in the playoffs it will be how far can josh allen get them because he we know his cap is among the very elite in the nfl and if he can show this kind of play against some of the best teams in the league then there's no reason why he could not go on a run and bring them even further and past uh, Kansas City, past New England, all the way to the Super Bowl.
0: When you look at the performance that New England got out of their quarterback, you would have almost hoped that Buffalo would have had a bigger scoreline in it, but there was a little bit at the tail end that changed that. Uh, next up, Cleveland at Green Bay, 22-24. to 24. Oh, it was a heartbreaker. It was a heartbreaker because Baker Mayfield showed every. Drop of the limitations that people are afraid he has. 222 yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions, finishing the game on an interception that possibly the refs should have called a little bit of pass interference there on the defense, but that's uh, that, that, that's up in the air. Because realistically, if you throw four interceptions, you can't pinpoint a single moment that turns the game over. You can pinpoint at least four, and there's multiple other ones as well. The rush attack looked fantastic at times on this. They were getting up to, I think, eight yards a carry. Chubb was great. I'm very confused by the decision-making from Cleveland's head coach and their offensive coordinator because Baker had been playing very poorly. The run game had been working incredibly effectively and they finished this out on, I think it was six straight passes ending in an interception when they were averaging seven or eight yards a carry. They had the ball back, but they weren't too far from where they needed to be for field goal range. This was a gift that they were going to be able to win this and they shitted away on bad decision-making. Rogers had an okay game in this as well, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Mostly to be honest, done by Adams and him picking up yards after the catch, after the guys decided to just keep leaving him in single coverage. But again, this is a performance that initially you'd kind of look at it say in the third quarter you say this is great look Green Bay are coasting there's no issues here but again they've allowed a team to climb back into it to come very close to beating them to nearly let it slip out of their hands which is not really what you want to see coming down the stretch in towards the playoffs you don't want to now maybe it's complacency maybe it's them folding up the playbook and not wanting to show too much and protect some ideas for the playoffs but I don't think if you're as good as this Green Bay team has been at times, you want to be allowing teams like Cleveland to sneak back into it and nearly take a game back off you at the end. So, dominant first half performance, just lost sight of the game in the second half from Green Bay, and Cleveland, too many mistakes, particularly from Baker Mayfield, and very confusing play calling from the the coaches. Look,
2: this is on Baker Mayfield and the coaches for letting Baker Mayfield lose this game. I think you call this a heartbreaker. I don't I almost feel like an understatement. Like we know that the Cleveland Browns, after the season they had last year, given what they did in the off season, given how talented the team is on paper, to see it basically being completely thrown away—if you pardon the pun—by Baker Mayfield, it was depressing. <laughs> I was watching this game on the big sixty-inch TV. I was—I was, I was casting it from my uh, my phone, and I, you know, I'm not a Cleveland Browns fan, but I felt. Uh, maybe a smidgen of how bad it felt to be a Cleveland Browns fan at that moment. It just felt absolutely devastating to see your quarterback completely undermine a team which should have won this game. You know the co- the defensive coordinator could take a couple of shots as well because they left Devontae Adams in single coverage. But look, at the end of the day, this was Baker Mayfield. The the four like the interceptions are obviously the key plays. But even on some of the other plays, there were near dropped interceptions. There was inaccuracy. He just did not seem to be in sync with his players. And like, look, he got a plane at the last moment to come out because he was on the COVID list. So there's a, a little bit of understanding here. But this is a guy who's you know multiple years into his time in Cleveland. Um, he got rid of the one wide receiver who apparently wasn't on the same page of him, and he just blew this because. You have Nick Chubb basically absolutely dominating the Green Bay Packers. Like yep. 8.8 yards per carry, 128 of the 219 going to Nick Chubb. He even had 58 yards catching the ball as well. Like this was a dominant performance. Like Nick Chubb was like leaving everything out there, and the defense, which was put in an unfortunate position in the first half, and as I said. You know, the defensive corner definitely has to take a hit for failing to account for Devontae Adams. I don't know how that happens, but they tightened up in the second half. They let, like, they kept Green Bay to three points. And ultimately, that wasn't enough because their quarterback destroyed several scoring drives. And yeah, it's just, I don't know what, like, you know, I really want this team to win. There's so much to like about them. They're a team and a franchise and a city which seems to have gone through so much in terms of football, in terms of having their team ripped away from them. And to see it, like their playoff chances now hanging by a thread because of a loss like this is, uh, is truly devastating. And I think you know Sean has been on the Cleveland Browns and been out on them uh, for a while now and i think he's probably been shown to be right in that case and uh yeah like i, I don't know what to, to say about them and look for green bay but i suppose i should take a like not a victory lap by any stretch but i did say they do seem a bit arrogant a bit lazy um, and they have been like that under Lafleur. this was another example where you know they could have probably won this game by more if they especially given how many chances they were had from baker mayfield but yet they seem to allow cleveland to creep back up into this again like they did against Baltimore last week. League. so when they get into the playoffs which uh, even as a number one seed which they're likely to do those questions that we've had in the LeFleur era they haven't gone away and they're unlikely to go away if they keep put up showings like this so they are the best team in football based on their record based on their talent but there's just something about this regime it almost feels like that kind of mid Mike McCarthy regime where there's just a little bit of a soft underbelly to them. I really would like to see them just, you know, go out a few games and show us why they're the best instead of just relying less resting on their laurels and letting teams back in we shouldn't have any chance. But look, this is this is a Cleveland game. This is all about them and yeah, big questions about them now and even bigger questions about where they're going in the future.
0: Like this is the thing, Baker Mayfield completely at the bed. I've seen a lot of breakdowns and some very good ones that show where injuries are definitely affecting how he's playing at the moment and how he's definitely not playing full strength and not correctly and why he like favours certain things and how his wind up has changed and stuff which is fair but then you gotta ask the question if that's what's the issue what the fuck is he doing in this game Case Keenum could have won this game this game is won if they don't throw four interceptions and it's because of what Baker is doing that they threw the four interceptions like it was mistakes on him this is it, it, it's madness to me that if the if they, they can game plan and get themselves this close have him piss it away and not at least consider maybe we shouldn't be playing this guy
1: well, he's the franchise quarterback, and obviously he's the long-term considered to be the long-term option, or at least he was up before this game. They wanted to keep him on board and show their faith, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, I mean, the thing is, the questions now have to be asked. And I have, I have defended Baker on this podcast in previous weeks. I did think last season, at the end of it, he was starting to show maturity, which we hadn't seen before, and I thought he was coming into himself. But, I mean, it's been all regression this season. It's been... Every good performance has been bookended by terrible performances on either side, and the the Browns and Kevin Stefanski, they're going to have to start to ask themselves the big question. Everything else is in place for this team. They have a great running game. They have an excellent defense. They have they have some exciting options at wide receiver and such like. It's all starting to come together. The only thing they don't have is this quarterback that could hold them all together and you're right they don't need an Aaron Rodgers or they don't need a Pat Mahomes they may only need someone like Case Keenum or some sort of game manager type uh, even a Kirk Cousins or something would, would perhaps be better than what they have because if if this is Baker injury then he's going to need to prove early next season that he's able to hold this team up because otherwise I could see them moving on quite quickly if however they might not even give him that they might decide to in the offseason see what's available someone like Russell Wilson for example might be they can put a a good enough deal together might be someone to get although that that says we are talking about the Browns if their season is over and probably should be over but they are somehow still alive they could still win the division if they get a couple of results going their way which aren't impossible say the Ravens losing to the Rams and the Bengals losing to the Chiefs would get them in at nine and eight um, but they don't deserve it I mean this season they've had all the talent Okay, they've had also had all the injuries, but they played well enough in enough games. They should have 12 or 13 wins in the way they played this season, or I mean, at least 10 or 11 wins the way they played the season. And the fact that they're seven and eight is uh, is an indictment of this franchise's ability to, to shit the bed when things push comes to shove. Baker, I love you, but you can't throw four interceptions in a make or break game. You just, you just can't do that. Yeah. And as an organization, you can't rely on someone who's likely to do that. So I think there could be at least conversation's beginning now of how they move on from from this issue and, and put the last piece into place which would make the Browns a really good team if they could just solve this quarterback problem.
0: Who knows, maybe this was uh maybe this was a kind of a dress rehearsal show Show Aaron Rodgers what he could have as his <laughs> roster next semester or next uh, next year. Indianapolis at Arizona, 22 to 16. The Arizona slide continues as Indianapolis continues to use. Taylor, 27 attempts for 108 yards. Wentz actually looked pretty good in this game, 229 yards and two touchdowns. And their defense played well. They got a safety and uh, two turnovers and downs. This was a comprehensive performance from Indianapolis. And one of the first ones that I've looked at and I've started to be less worried about Them Like, I've always kind of said, look, I don't trust Wentz. And I felt like they were overly... Even with Taylor stepping up, they were still relying on him Wentz looked better in this game, although, obviously, I think he's now out with the COVID stuff. But this is the first game, I think, maybe last week as well, where I kind of went, oh, actually, this Indianapolis team could fuck shit up. Like, they could properly mess up someone in the playoffs and to kind of take them a little bit more seriously than maybe I had beforehand. Kyler, on the other side, looked good. 245 yards, 75 on the ground. But he was... as you said, like, the joy of this offense early on was the fact that it was just chaos. It was, you know, it was weird shit would happen and then really cool stuff would happen. Today it was a little bit, you know, inconsistent rather than chaotic, which was, you know, the bad side of it and their kicks didn't go fantastically either. It just wasn't a comprehensive job by Arizona and I don't know if it's just because they're lacking New Hopkins or what it is, but there's... There's a bit of spark missing from it. And look, Indy Indy is the kind of thing that can wear out your defense. Just keep running the ball, keep running Taylor. He's an incredible running back. Arizona looking like they're limping to the the postseason, whereas Indianapolis are really coming into themselves and would not be someone I'd want to be facing.
1: Yeah, you know what the Cardinals are missing? James Conner. He is the glue that that ties this team together on both the run and the pass. He is is the man who is responsible for... No, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. They did miss him here. I do think that without Hopkins and Connor, their offense is a lot more limited. They were decent. They, They got into the red zone quite a bit but i mean they had to rely on field goals and such like to get them there it was interesting the colts are defensively are a bit a turnover team their their whole thing is to get the interceptions get the fumbles that's how they were winning games defensively beforehand but they didn't do in this game this was much more of a a contain much more interesting to see the colts defense had this side of it as well that they could just hold defense offenses down
2: it is important to note they were missing darius leonard who's obviously like the turnover machine of defense mm-hmm. due to COVID, So that probably had some effect on
1: that. I mean ultimately the Cardinals could also probably blame kicking problems. They had to change the the placeholder here. Colt McCoy does not understand laces out as a as an important imperative for kicking. That they, they missed a field goal and an extra point that ultimately kinda of got them in a situation where they where they ended up losing the game because of those missed points. For the Colts, yeah it's very interesting. I mean Taylor, he's killing teams at the moment he did a very one very big run at the start of the game, but I thought the guards' defense did a decent job containing them after that. They kind of got to grips with the Colts a running game and you thought oh that's going to cause the Colts problem but no Carson Wentz finally steps up in a big game and plays well he essentially won the game with a very nice touchdown throw near the end I wonder for Wentz if it's better for him not to be the main guy but there's this, if the pressure is if he knows that Taylor's there to take a certain uh, amount of what's required from him if he knows the defense is getting turnovers he can kind of just do his thing he isn't feeling like he's pushed to to take risks or throw bad throws. Because we know what happens with Wentz is when tight games against good teams, he ends up making throws he shouldn't do because he's trying to be the Superman. And putting him in a situation where he's not expected to be that may be a good position for him to be in. Now, of course, he's got to ruin that by getting COVID while being unvaxxed. And and who knows how many games he might miss as a result of that. But yeah, the Colts are coming together quite well. They're probably going to be a wildcard team. So they are going to be on the road, but they... I don't think there's any divisional winner in the AFC that's going to want to play them, especially if Taylor's capable of even in having a quiet game, he still ends up at 130 yards or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's he's coming close to my MVP pick. Difficult to think of a team that for whom one player is makes so much of a difference as Jonathan Taylor does. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I,
0: I, I would I would think the last two months of the Tennessee Titans would suggest maybe King Henry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Perhaps
1: perhaps <laughs> can you get the MVP for being injured
0: and in your team <laughs> yeah. as a was. Of. The The absence of can be proof of, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? The, right,
1: wins, yeah. <laughs> wins without replacement. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, next up, the Chargers at Houston. Lol, Chargers. 29 to 41. Houston decides, you know what, it's time to teach these Chargers how to play some football. Rex Burkhead, who Jesus Christ, Jeff Burkhead, I was I I genuinely looking at their running backs was just like, what? Burkhead, there was a couple of other ones that were just names that I was kind of surprised were still knocking around. He went for 149 yards and two touchdowns. L.A. Chargers defense missing Bosa, but presumably missing ten other starters because they just did nothing in this game. Mills, who was quarterbacking, went for two fifty-four and two touchdowns. Did a decent job. Might actually be pushing, maybe not for a starter role, but definitely pushing away into being a into being a long-term backup. Anyway, Houston just looked pretty good. Uh, the Chargers. I'm very confused by how this ended up this way because look, they didn't do fantastic Well, they settled for field goals when they should have maybe gone for touchdowns and stuff like that, but. Herbert threw for over three hundred fifty yards. He had two interceptions. He made some mistakes, but you know he's kind of that's the type of quarterback he is. Like the the, the point to, oh well we're missing we're missing our running back yeah but Jackson was in there and he went for one hundred and sixty two yards and two touchdowns so you didn't miss at the at the at the running back position you know like it was very very confusing to me that Chargers could just feck up this much to be in this spot even though on paper they should be. In a much better position in this game, Houston on the other side like had no no business at all being in this game and just said no, we're going to do it, we're going to we're, we're, we're going to prove that we're worthwhile, that we're a team not to be messed with. I presume they've basically spent it all on this game and they won't be able to surprise anyone in the next two weeks. But who knows? Like cause the thing is, I I so wanted to just be laughing and it'd be like the Chargers have charged and they fucked themselves over and they've made a massive mistake and they had a fumble and stuff, but like. Realistically, to be fair to them, Houston actually played up in this game as much as the Chargers played down, I think.
2: Two losses, uh, first a tragedy and now a farce. Uh, <laughs> like, look, there are reasons to you know, give the Chargers some rope. They were missing a bunch of players through COVID, they were missing... Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, Corley Lindsley, a few other guys, they're missing Bosa in this game, and they're missing Derwin James, and on the defensive side, at least there's maybe an argument that if you strip out Bosa and James, this is actually one of the worst defenses in the league, certainly against the run. Um, which they were earlier this year, and not that great against the pass either. But this is a team that is stacked with talent. They have Justin Herbert, someone we consider to be a you know a future potentially Hall of Fame quarterback if he reaches his potential. They had Justin Jackson running well, as you mentioned, though he did fumble the ball in a key point in the second half. They still had uh, Keenan Allen there, so it's not like they have that many excuses here. This is just classic chargering. Like This is a team that we should love. Like, the entire NFL should be in love with the LA Chargers, They're an next exciting team, they have so much going for them. And yet, every time that we get into them this year, they seem to shit the bed. They shat the bed in an entertaining fashion last week against the Chiefs by going for all those fourth downs, but at least that's part of their identity. But here, they just, they got bullied. They got bullied off the field by the Houston Texans running Rex Burkhead. Like, Rex Burkhead's been getting 20-plus carries in nearly every game for the last month, but in most of those games, he's got, like, 60 yards or something (laughs) like that. In this game, he goes for 100, nearly, closer to 160 yards, 149 yards, two touchdowns, and in the second half when the Chargers were desperate to get back into this game, Houston were just like, nah, nah, we're going to just keep running Rex Burkhead and you can't stop him. And it's like, what kind of pathetic team do you have to be to lose to that? And like, look,
0: just, just, just to contextualize this, a little, Rex Burkhead outrushed Jonathan Taylor, who Sean has just said is possibly his lead for an MVP candidate. And this is Rex Burkhead, which says everything about how bad this Chargers defense had to have been playing. Like,
2: They were awful and they let the Texans dominate this game and run down the clock. Made Davis Mills, who's actually been pretty solid and, you know, as you say, maybe he'll be in a camp battle maybe next year for the starter position, but obviously we don't expect him to be like the next Tom Brady or Russell Wilson, but at least he looks like someone who isn't going to turn your team into a complete crap fest. But yeah, like, look, Houston, they played well they stuck to their plan and they've had a couple of games where they've looked like not like complete embarrassments i think if they keep when they've kept games close where they haven't got blown out in the first half they have managed usually to be somewhat competitive but to dominate a game like this to dominate a team that is ostensibly a playoff a team and a team you wouldn't want to play it's just embarrassing for the Chargers, and I think all this year, there's just been something off about them, whether that's Lombardi as the OC, going for fourth down in some situations, just digging a little bit too far, like, we agree with mostly, but sometimes going too far, There's just, I don't know, there's something about them that they just haven't got rid of that charging, even with this daily era, and uh, yeah, you know, sometimes history repeats itself, and yeah, the Chargers, they're just going to keep charging. Uh, so well done, Houston Chargers. Very much an uphill battle to get to the playoffs now.
0: San Fran at Tennessee, seventeen to twenty. AJ Brown is welcome back and had one hundred and forty-five yards and a touchdown. As Tannehill was able to get something going for a change, two thirty and a touchdown. They didn't do much in the first half. They were down ten to nothing, but then they sped up in the second half. In San Francisco's run defense was probably the best part of their team in this. They slowed down the run an awful lot, down to, I think, around three yards per carry, which is which is great. Jimmy Garoppolo, a week or two out of... Jesus, he's going to make sure that he makes it tough for them to swap away from him. And he has got the injury night out. But, like, this was a performance that would be getting someone benched, I think. 322, a touchdown and two interceptions. But he had a red zone interception, an interception that set up the first, ta- the first touchdown for Tennessee. He missed a touchdown. He also failed on a forced down conversion. Like, he's actually had a really terrible game. And the only reason that his stats look in any way useful is because Debo Samuel absolutely destroyed yards after the catch. He had 191 yards. Like, I know this not from just watching the game. I know it because I think it cost me the playoffs in two different fantasy leagues. But, like, Debo Samuel was a monster. And the Tennessee defense, like, kind of held Kittle in check. This was overall, this was a mediocre performance from Tennessee with a bit more pass action happening now that Brown is back that was able to take over a San Francisco team that's pushing its way into the playoffs because their quarterback shit the bed repeatedly four or five times. And that's the only reason that Tennessee won this game. Like, it was nice. A.J. Brown had a nice return to form, but the team didn't look particularly strong. San Francisco's defense looked good, but their offense looked terrible. It basically, it made me less worried about either of these teams in the playoffs, to be honest, for the moment. But I know that both of them have players who'll be returning from injuries and so on. Yeah, not, not overly convincing on either side, but Tennessee are able to push out and get a very important win in terms of them being able to win their division.
1: This was a look at two playoff teams who are quite interesting and have some nice pieces, but are... Flawed and those flaws can be exposed and, and often were exposed in this game. I mean, I don't know which side to really start on. I mean, for Tennessee, we know that this isn't the real Titans side. We know that they're basically in a holding pattern, trying to just pick up enough wins that they can, when Derrick Henry comes back, they can, can impact in the playoffs. I mean, they're probably the division. I mean, they're probably one more win for the division. They're every chance they could go 12 and 5, which would be interesting. But at the moment, it's, it's not the real Titans team. Um, the defense continues to step up, which is the big surprise of the season because the defense has historically been where Mike Vrabel's team has been at its weakest. They've really stepped up in the absence of any kind of dynamic offense uh, whatsoever. The only thing to really note then, apart from that from the Titans, was AJ Brown's return. It did change how the offense played a little bit. Not necessarily about him, although he was kind of did have a number of big catches, but also using him as a decoy. The Titans love having, they used to do this with Henry all the time as well, is to use the threat of... Henry or in this case Brown to pull defenders a certain way and then run the play the other way they, they were quite good at that and the more they can bring that back into their game bring it to the center point of their game the more dangerous they will be but for the Niners it's probably this is a more interesting game to, to kind of analyze and the big thing obviously is Jimmy Garoppolo I mean Garoppolo's problem right is that his ceiling is not very high he's not actually that good so the best you can hope for him is competence. The best you can hope for is at the end of the game, you can say, well, he didn't screw up too badly. He, he did what was asked of him, he game managed, he did okay. But when he has a bad day, it's a disaster, right? I, there's some weird stats they had in the game. Is the Niners have won every game this season where Garoppolo hasn't thrown interception, but they've lost all but one game where he has thrown at least one interception. So this kind of gives you a show is that when Garoppolo has off days, the team just can't win, right? There's not anything particularly about him. It's it's both poor reading of the game and then one of his interceptions was a, a poor read, but there's also bad throws. I mean, one of his was both a poor read and a bad throw, is- and he read the situation wrong. And he could have gotten away with it had the throw been better, but he still overthrew the the wide receiver in a dangerous spot and, and gave away the interception. You just can't overcome that. And I mean, they've got to be thinking about Trey Lance, isn't it, as the kind of as the option going forward? I think the Garoppolo will be held in place, providing that he's healthy for the playoffs. But next season, I can't imagine him um, having survived his job. Offensively, it's all George Kittle and especially Depot Samuel of late. There's not an awful lot going on otherwise in that offense, and they're reliant then on the defense being quite good. And I mean, Fred Warner, I'm, I'm, I am I'm always enjoy watching Fred Warner play on defense events. He, he's getting dominant now. He's getting into that, not quite Aaron Donald level, but he's getting into that quarterback of the defense kind of thing where he's dominant and, he, and he's beginning to impose his will on uh, offenses, which is interesting to see. Yeah, the Niners are going to be an interesting wildcard team, but they're probably not going to caused an upset uh, in terms of that. And for the Titans, we don't really know what this team is until Derek Henry comes back and what state he'll come back in. They look like an interesting team, and if the pieces click in, they could be a good shout to go all the way in the AFC. But equally, they they have the ability without, say, Henry or or whatever to just look like a very mediocre team. So it, it could go either way with the Titans, I think.
0: Next up, Baltimore. At Cincy, twenty-one to forty-one. My boy, my beautiful baby boy. They came good. Burrow goes for five hundred twenty-five yards, four touchdowns, and a very important eleven rushing yards in the ground. And he absolutely destroys Baltimore. T. Higgins went for one hundred ninety-four and two touchdowns. Chase his uh, his his buddy from college, one hundred twenty-five. Tyler Boyd, eighty-five and a touchdown. Joe Mixon, sixty-five on on a touchdown of the ground, seventy and a touchdown in the air. It was a very, very dominant performance against, now, to be fair, quite a COVID-slash-injury-riddled Baltimore team who I believe were down to, like, they only had one of their top eight starting cornerbacks being able to go in this game. So it was, it was shorthanded. A quarterback, they were, they were down to Josh Johnson as they were missing their two starting <laughs> cornerbacks. So 214 yards, two touchdowns and an interception was fine. Mostly doing what they seem to do every week and just target Andrews the whole time, 125 and a touchdown. This was all about Burrow and, 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 and the Cincinnati Bengals. We said going into this, this felt like, you know, they'd, they played well against them in the first leg and that this could be a big statement win and this was a statement win. wink Martinell made the uh, mistake of coming out and saying in advance that Basically slagging Burrow after they kind of got beaten by the last time saying, oh, I wouldn't be measuring him for a gold jacket yet. And Burrow came out and just went to absolute town on them for over 500 yards. There isn't much to take away from this from Baltimore. Like maybe that there seems to be a lot of consistency that whenever they're injured or not with their starting quarterback, they do seem to just essentially run the same offense. So at least it's replicable. I suppose they were just they were ravaged. You can't you can't take a ton away from it. This is feeling like even if they make it into the the postseason, there's nothing there for them because they're so short-handed. At so many spots. It was it was a rough one for Cincinnati. This shows the highs that we've talked about that you can get out of this team. But the problem is that even though this is an incredible performance, I don't I couldn't tell you that you're going to get something like this next week out of them because they are very mercurial in how they how they play and it just game script the personnel they were facing and the way that everything went for them just worked perfectly in this game and it was lovely to watch but while I'm happy to see it I'm not sure it is telling necessarily of how they would play against other teams other contenders down the line
2: you worry too much, Connor. It doesn't matter that the Bengals are a little bit up and down week to week. Sometimes they, they will shit the bed, but when they're in full flight, they are one of the most entertaining teams in the NFL. Oh, yeah. They're just impossible to take your eyes away from and Joe and that all comes down to Joe Burrow, who is, you know, one of the most entertaining quarterbacks. He just has complete faith in them and he is the heir apparent to, you know, Brett Favre, just that kind of playmaker who just had never seen a throw that he doesn't think he can make, who's never <laughs> willing to not take a chance. Like, he, he's got like a lot of interceptions by modern standards for a, an elite NFL quarterback, but who cares when you have games like this, when you see a guy just go out there and keep laying on the pain, and he knows that in the AFC North, the history of the Cincinnati Bengals is pain. Pain from the Steelers, pain from the Baltimore Ravens. So what does he do this season? He goes out and spanks them four times in a row. Each game against them, he has been dominant and he has shown them who is boss in this division whether they managed to finish it up or not in the last two weeks and maybe lose to a much more different type of team at cleveland their fellow ohio prisoner in the nc north doesn't really matter because this year he got the fans of that team four games where they got to absolutely shit on their rivals and they will get to live that up for the rest of the offseason regardless of what happens at this point burrow absolutely annihilated them and even when this game was well out of hand did he stop Hell no. He kept going. He got up, he, he, his 500 yard game was taken away by, uh, taken away by a penalty. So yeah. what'd he do on his next drive? He just threw like a 40 yard bomb to Joe Mixon along the side. Like, what the fuck is that? That's your top receipt, like your top running back, your top quarterback, just going out there and laying on the paint. Cause as he said himself, this isn't Pee Wee football, this isn't high school football, this isn't college football, this is the NFL, and you never stop laying the pain. And in the AFC North, I can't think of a better quarterback, a better symbol to drag this team. And I oh, think. Yeah. You know, I compared him to Brett Favre earlier. uh, He's also like Peyton Manning in a sense. like The coaching staff in this team do not matter a fuck. They are (laughs) nobodies. This is the Joe Burrow show, and it is a hell of a ride. And if they make it to the playoffs, which I very much hope they will, even if it is at the cost of the beloved brands, I look forward to them creating some really exciting games. As for Baltimore, I think you're right. Look, they're a team that is incredibly well coached, but are literally down to the bare bones. They have like their third-string quarterback, their eighth-string cornerback... They're just down to the bare bones, and eventually, even a team as well coached by as John Harbaugh as the Baltimore Ravens has to give. And in this case, it's given a window to hopefully see a lot more of a team, which is very much in the upslope slope, and one I want to see more of. So yeah, hell yeah, it's tonight like Bengals. Let's see more of this in oh, January. Yeah. I uh,
0: said is a fun team. Been been on this train for a while now. Okay, uh, we're gonna head off to the jump off now and uh, let you kind of run through a couple of the other games, running.
2: Yeah, so we're getting into probably the, the time of year where there's a lot less relevant games, but we'll start off with a couple that are, are playoff relevant. So the Rams at Minnesota, 30-23 win for the Rams. Basically a game the Rams should have dominated, but Matt Stafford had a very Baker-Mayfield type game, three interceptions though he had 200 yards and a touchdown as well. He basically kept Minnesota in this just about in this game, but it never felt like they were really going to win this game in Minnesota as Michelle had over 100 yards and Cup had over 100 yards and their defense and their special teams were kind of pitching in on the Rams side as well. They had a special teams touchdown, interception, three sacks, eight tackles for a loss. I think... Look, this is a game that the Rams should have won easily, but Minnesota, because they're Minnesota, just couldn't get it done, even with the chances they were given. Cousins was ineffective outside throwing to Justin Jefferson, as Adam Thielen spent most of this game limping and on and off the field at various points, and without Cook, there basically wasn't any one game under three yards of carry. So the Rams now control the NFC West. Minnesota's wild card chances very much on the downslope. Next up, Pittsburgh at Kansas City, 10 to 36. Other uh, dominance for Kansas City. Look, as Pittsburgh basically self-immolated. Big Ben looked hopeless out there. 159 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and the fumble. And the fumble was probably the saddest play. It was late on this game, and it kind of looked like the Kansas City defender was kind of taking this geriatric. Ben Robsberger to the retirement home as he kind of just walked slowly backwards until the rest took <laughs> Ben mercy and ran and blew the blew the whistle. It was, yeah, just truly hopeless. As the Kansas City defense, they had like three turnovers, a turnover and downs, two sacks, four tackles for a loss, just had their way with the Pittsburgh who were making plenty of their own mistakes on top of the dad. Mahomes continues his kind of return to form, two hundred fifty yards, three touchdowns. He did that without Kelsey, who had COVID, and Hill was kept pretty quiet, two for 19. And so I think it's good to see them be more diverse and getting guys like Byron a pretty good stat line, and even got some nice uh, work out of Gore. their backup running back in the second half of garbage time. So over for Kansas City, a very easy win, but definitely getting back on track to uh, for that number one seed, and being back to the Kansas City team we expect. Maybe not quite there in offense yet, but uh, a lot closer than they were a month ago. Next up, Miami and New Orleans, 20 to three another game of what i would call sterile dominance by miami they've been kind of doing this for a while as a defense dominated two interceptions eight sacks six tackles for a loss around 164 yards allowed but look new orleans they were then 22 players in the COVID list they were starting ian book uh, who was uh, not good, but you know, he was also behind a ramshackle offensive line. So I don't know how much you can think about that. As Miami did realize all we have to do is shut down Kamara who had only 59 yards and the job is done. Tua was tidy outside of an interception, but they did have rely a bit too much maybe on trickery to get this offense going. But Jalen Waddle came back from COVID, 92 yards and a touchdown. He is very much a breakout star for them this year. Uh, Miami now in the seventh seed. Let's see if they can hold on to it. They're not really a team I love, but you know, they're a team that obviously keeps winning. Uh, so they're definitely in with a shot. New Orleans, just a bit similar to Baltimore, just being too ravaged by COVID to really be a factor at this point. Next up, Denver at the Vegas Raiders, 13 to 17. Uh, I said it, look, if you start through lock, you lose. and. That's basically what happened here is that Vegas won the technically relevant bowl because I don't think either of these teams will make the playoffs or deserve to go to the playoffs, but, you know, they got the win. Drew Locke was terrible, 162 yards, didn't have any turnovers. That's about all you could say in favor of him as the run game was completely taken away by the Vegas Raiders, only eight yards net for them rushing the ball. Carr was okay except for two key turnovers particularly the pick six that he threw late on in the first half which basically is why denver were within a score at the end of this game but thankfully he had josh jacobs dominating in yards and the defense was obviously highly effective they only allowed around 160 yards total so they kept the contest in hand and didn't lose much because of car's incompetence there but uh look the vegas raiders are alive but i don't know how much longer that would but they're a pretender let's be honest and next up detroit at atlanta 16 to 20 atlanta keep their dim playoff hopes alive because the tiebreakers are mostly against them if they do get the ties and stuff it's, you know a, a four-point win against the tim boyle led uh, detroit lions because jared goff and COVID, 187 yards a touchdown for tim boyle uh, he had also an interception. It wasn't great, but obviously the interception at the end is what killed off the uh, Detroit comeback attempt. Ryan was okay. He's not a bad quarterback. It's certainly, like a team like the Browns or someone like that, could certainly look to trade for him. But uh, at least Pitts is getting back into form after having a bit of a midseason slump. Under two yards here, uh, moving towards some t- rookie tight end records, apparently. But you know, teams are finally shutting down Patterson on the run game, so that's why Pitts is probably getting more work. Uh, Detroit leaned on the rush game, and Amon St. Brown has been a nice uh, breakout star for them in the last while. 91 yards and a touchdown, and they had a nice uh, special tie Teams throw by by Fox, their punter, but just not enough juice overall, and maybe a little bit conservative in that field goal at the end instead of going for the uh, tie uh, earlier. But uh, look, Detroit, they're, they're fighting against all of the lack of talent. Great offensive line, more interesting next year, Atlanta. I don't think they're going anywhere next year. Next up, Jacksonville at the Jets, 21-26, a battle for the number one seed, which the Jets eventually uh, lose, win, depending on your perspective, as Jacksonville let them win by failing to gain five yards at the end of the game, four downs, couldn't get it done, and allowed the Jets to win this, and basically wrapping up that number one pick outside of something miraculous happening. So the Jets get a win, which is nice for them. Lawrence and Wilson, very similar days in the sense that you know, they were better, but still not very inspiring. You still have to have major concerns about both of them. Uh, Lawrence at 280 yards, but at least didn't stop the turnover stretch he has been on. Uh, but ultimately, as we said, wasn't able to get it done in the key uh, fourth down drive at the end of the game. Wilson had a really nice rush early on for a touchdown. Very fun to see, but was only 100 yards passing they've very little outside of that and they're both still very inaccurate both still very on poise so big questions about both these teams because you know you want you want your quarterback to do well against what are obviously two very poor defenses but let's see if they put more random maybe where they can develop into something more than what we've seen this year the rookie uh but for the jets at least they have michael carter back the rookie running back he had over 100 yards and unfortunately for the jacksonville they lost Joe robinson earlier as we talked about earlier so uh, a few blowouts here for playoff uh, teams teams go to the playoffs washington and dallas 14-56, a Sunday night nightmare for the Washington team as Heineke and Allen were basically pummeled to an early grave by the uh, Dallas defense, which is turning into quite the scary unit. As Demarcus Lawrence has come back, we know Trayvon Dix is the leader in interceptions. Micah Parsons is the defensive rookie of the year, potentially the defensive player of the year. Two interceptions, five sacks, five tackles for a loss, around 250 yards allowed, and their special teams even pitched in a touchdown, just dominant from end to end against what was a pretty moribund Washington offense. Dak seemed to get back in the saddle here. 330 yards, four touchdowns. And this game was over at halftime, 7-42. to And the humiliation was so great that it effectively elicited a fight on the Washington uh, sideline between uh, Jonathan Allen and Daron Payne. You know, that line that we thought would be so much fun uh, it seems to be turning on itself at the moment. Next up, Giants at Philly, 10-34. to Philly took their time in this game. It was 3-3 at halftime. But eventually, they got the run game going. 30 rushes for 130 yards and the touchdowns hurts was effective. Particularly, it was a nice touchdown to Smith, where he came out of the pocket and kind of got him into the corner. So that's a nice connection. And, you know, maybe a few less flags would be nice for Philly. But overall, I think, you know, when Sean talks about why we like Philly as the other seven seed, at least they have an identity. At least they have something that they're good at and something that could see them win games, which can't be said for many of teams like Atlanta and New Orleans right now. On the other hand, Giants are basically completely missing in action. Lennon was terrible when he was brought in to replace From, who had also been terrible, and it's just inept. And Saquon is also just dying in this offense right now. So just a, a team that's very much in need of the offseason, and perhaps a refresh. But uh, yeah, very little for them to hope for at the moment. Tampa Bay at Carolina, 32-6. to 6, A trivial win for Tampa Bay. Brady was effective, 332 yards and a touchdown. Missing Mike Evans, missing Chris Godwin, missing Leonard Fournette. Didn't make much of a difference. Was a bit slow and steady, but Antonio Brown's back at over 100 yards. Whatever your moral views on that, it's good for Tampa Bay winning games. And the rush game was effective with Ronald Jones being okay. The key shot uh, being okay as well. Carolina, on the other hand, are spiraling. Uh, they're operating a QB carousel. Usually, the sign of a team that's truly in the pits, like Darnold marginally better than cam 190 yards 11 rush versus cam's 61 plus 42 rush though cam threw an interception but there's basically nothing left to cheer for in carolina it's just a team that just desperately needs to have the season over and then ask major questions about what the direction of this team is a quarterback you know just a very disappointing year overall and finally chicago seattle 25 to 24 big dick st nick delivers the christmas miracle for the chicago bears and the new york jets because they have the seattle first round pick 250 yards and touchdown for st nick but main it's all about that last drive the jump ball touchdown to Jimmy Graham and then well even I would admit in Seahawks a really cool fun looking two point conversion for Demir Bird where it kind of almost Matrix style taking account of this new film but look <laughs> Seattle should have won this game they had a field goal that would have put them ten points up and basically the end of the game they missed it and they were also just generally bad Wilson another poor game 181 yards and two touchdowns Mediocre again. But, you know, the only nice thing for Seattle is Rashad Penny's been breaking through the last month or so. 135 in touchdown. He's been surging. But, yeah, given that, you know, they're going to be, you know, one of the bottom 10 teams in the league, and that pick has already been used on Jamal Adams, and he's been injured for the last two seasons. Just very depressing times in Seattle town. But based on what I'm hearing, probably not going to get the change you expected uh, uh, coaching. So perhaps a change coming at quarterback. Not great news overall. But that's the uh,
0: Dump Off for Week 16. Talk to you next week. Perfect, and let's move on and look at the games for next week. So, first up, oh God, Tampa Bay at the Jets. We're going for Tampa Bay across the board, Sean?
1: Yes, the the Bucs are much better than the Jets, and that one bad game against the Saints' aside, have been running rampant on the offensive end. The Jets are just, just a poor team on both sides of the ball, and are just not going to get anywhere close to the Bucs in this one, I would say. Yeah, no, that seems
0: fair. Uh, next up, it's my pick of the week, Kansas City at Cincinnati. I think as I said in the text message to you guys earlier, it's uh, the equivalent of your going to dinner with both your wife and your Guma meeting each other. It's uh, it's, it's my, my, my long-term <laughs> Kansas City cheese taking on my, my, my young hot girlfriend, Cincinnati Bengals. We've gone for Kansas City across the board. I was actually hemming and hawing about this because I think this is going to be a very exciting matchup. I think we're going to see a lot of offensive fireworks. Kansas City obviously have been looking much better of late on the offense but still not 100% there but they will then have Travis Kelsey is back and a few other pieces landing back for them Clyde Edwards might be out but they were getting some performances out of Williams and Gore and stuff on that end and the defensive side should have a lot of pieces back I'd imagine that our defense would be better equipped to try and put some pressure on Burrow and the defense have been overall playing an awful lot better for the Chiefs I think still with the like with the exception of the Chargers game allowing no more than like 14 points over the last eight weeks allowing an average of something like 13 points yeah, to they were missing
2: teams. Chris Jones for that game so so uh
0: so, like, so hopefully yeah, hopefully he'll be able to kind of t- t push in and cause some pressure on here. But this should be should be an exciting matchup. Then the other side, obviously, Cincinnati just showed what they can do on offense. Defensively, they are quite strong, although maybe not as standout on that side of the ball. But yeah, no, this should just be a really exciting game. And all going well could be a, could be a preview of of, of of a match where we get a, a rematch of in the playoffs at some point. That'll be pretty, pretty exciting. But yeah, because this is KC on the road as well, uh, whereas presumably if they were to make it in, they'd be coming to Kansas. City, but uh, yeah, no, it should be should be a very exciting game. I 100 percent expect this to be fireworks and excitement, and hopefully no major injuries. <laughs> it's essentially the big hope out of it. The Chiefs have. have-
2: Matured over the course of this year. Obviously, their defense, which was a joke, uh, it felt like for the first, uh, say, month, has turned into one of the best units in the league in terms of defensive performance. You know, there is a chance here that both these defenses have had good games that it could turn into a more defensive mining game. But, like, let's be honest, we don't want that. Certainly, as a neutral, I don't want that. I want to see <laughs> Patrick Holmes. I want to see Joe Burrow giving us the kind of fireworks displays that too often this year we've lacked, particularly for Pat Mahomes. like He's finally getting into form, avoiding those turnovers, having a few explosive games. I want to see more of that. I want to see him take on this defense because this is a defense which traditionally in Cincinnati has been about playing what's in front of them, an effort defense and basically preventing uh, big plays. So that's basically where Kansas City have struggled the same, but you know, they get Kelsey back hopefully off COVID. Tyreek Hills obviously in there and uh, the run games are working a lot better. So if the run game can get going with the CEH if he plays, but otherwise Darrell Williams and Gore, then you know, they can open up those that big action and see what they can get done here. Because, you know, what I want to see is both these quarterbacks show us what they're capable of because we know if they're both at their peak when they're both given the chance they make big plays big bombs and we have a big game of fun here uh, for both teams so Kansas City because they're more standard and more consistent that they've obviously in a great run of form and Bengals are just recovering from the skid they were on uh, about a month ago I think you have to favor them here but like look both these teams on their day can't beat anyone so I want to see them both have their day
1: I kind of edge towards the Chiefs simply because I think the Bengals defense well, not I mean it's it's not bad it's certainly perhaps in the top half it's it's not as strong as the other units we've got two good offenses and the KC defense and I think the Bengals defense is to step below that I'm particularly thinking about their cornerbacks which are quite talented but are capable of having inconsistent games and can get beaten on on long throws so it'll be interesting to see how KC offense actually plays this defense that'll be one of the interesting questions um to look at but I think there's just that talent differential there is going to be the difference in this game I think
0: should be fun. It wouldn't blow me away if we ended up in a kind of uh, a... Chiefs-Rab three years ago Monday Night Football kind of situation of high scoring with a lot of defensive turnovers and just a lot of fun. Next up, Giants at the Chicago Bears. We've gone for Chicago across the board here, running.
2: Yeah, a relevant game for any playoff stuff. So, look, Chicago have a bit of them left. They obviously won against Seattle. They weren't great against previously, but at least they were putting up some points. New York are just more right now. They're doing nothing. You know, Saquon does nothing. Their quarterbacks are backups. Just nothing really there for York Giants. So, Chicago rack up in a win here.
0: Miami at Tennessee, we've gone for Miami across the board. Look, they're on a win streak although that said, they haven't played a really a starting quality quarterback in the entirety of their win streak so far. Tennessee have not looked great, as I said. They've gotten the receiver back, but they still didn't look very good. Miami in the hunt, obviously, to try and uh, lock up a wild card spot, and I, I suppose in theory push up, but probably not. Whereas, yeah, just Tennessee, I think, are still not there. I still view them as kind of a limping monster that needs a few pieces to come back before they're to be worried with. Although, it is the kind of thing that Miami, I while they've got the win streak, I'm not 100% convinced on them.
1: I'm not convinced on this on this Dolphins team either. I mean, the schedule that they went through was quite soft. I mean, basically only the Ravens were the only kind of good team that they'd beaten that seven-game stretch. So I think here's where we're going to get to see them. They have to play the Titans, and then I think that the Pats coming up uh, as well. So it's, it's, I mean, this is where we get to find out if the Dolphins are for real or not. Are they a 1-7 team, or are they an 8-7 team? And I give them the edge here simply because they have the momentum. As we said, the Titans are still kind of in a holding pattern, waiting for the season to end. The defense has obviously been playing quite better than we, we thought they would, but this Titans offense is still not enough not going for it I think that the the Dolphins defense are going to handle them pretty well and then it's just about whether or not Tua can get this Dolphins offense going enough and I think they probably will do just enough to win
2: but both of these former Patriots acolytes of course uh, so a big game there but like look Miami's defence I think is the reason we're picking Miami here but uh, you can't trust any of these units on any given day.
0: Philly, uh, Washington, we've got Philly across the board. As mentioned, look, they have an identity. We'd kind of like to see them make it into it. Washington are circling the drain. They don't really have much left there. They have infighting. The only thing is that sometimes whenever you have that kind of internal Kind of fighting. Oh, I'm discussing obviously the defensive players punching each other on the side, on the other side of the uh, of the benches there uh, last week's game. Sometimes they can unify then for a big statement win, particularly within division. But here's hoping Philly, even with the running back issues, can push through here. We've gone for them across the board. Atlanta, Buffalo, we've gone for Buffalo across the board. Sean, is there much yeah, hope, to be said hope, about this?
1: Not an awful lot. Hopefully, the Bills finally put the Falcons out of their misery and we don't have to watch. Them. So the Bills obviously. Coming off a big win, they've got the momentum. They've been beating up bad teams all season. They've just been just been the good teams they've been struggling against. And for all that the Falcons are, they're definitely not a good team. So expect a, a big point differential, I would say. Maybe it might be tied until about the middle of the third, but then I think uh, Josh Allen will kind of run away with it and the Bills could maybe win by 17, 20 points in the end.
0: Vegas at the Indianapolis Colts. You got for the Colts across the board. This is a Vegas team that limped past the Broncos. Is technically still live, but doesn't really feel like it would challenge anyone. And an Indianapolis team that we will have. Presumably a backup starting a quarterback although since it's moved to five days who knows it could actually have Wentz in there but you'd imagine Taylor would be able to make the most of what is a very not great Vegas defense yeah like I, I can't really see past Indianapolis in this one unless the COVID stuff causes massive issues for them because Vegas yes they won last week they didn't look particularly competitive.
2: I think if Vegas are going to win this game, they're going to have to take a leaf out of the Indianapolis book. They're going to have to rush the ball with Josh Jacobs, who's looked a a bit better in recent weeks compared to his early season form. And if they can dominate the the time of possession, if Derek Carr can avoid the critical mistakes and turnovers that he caused last week, then I give the Vegas Raiders a chance. But you know Indianapolis have earned our our faith. They they have earned our trust. They obviously have Jonathan Taylor. I think even if they have to put in Jacoby Brissett in there, I think they can still be a solid enough team. But if it is a Brissett Carr fight, this will probably be a lot less entertaining to watch but I think Indianapolis with uh, Darius Leonard probably back with that defense I think there's you know I find it hard to believe Vegas wouldn't turn the ball over give Indianapolis a few free drives so that they can get enough out of those to win this game but with Brissett it's definitely a lot closer and more annoying than it had to be
1: Form and talent, you got to go for the Colts. Could be interesting. There's a rumour they might try and get Philip Rivers out of retirement for this, but that would be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, i see seen that mentioned online. I'm kind of half-hoping for it, but also like, ugh, really? Oh, look, he's playing the Raiders. Oh, he'll know them inside out. Yep, this will be an exciting one. Carolina, New Orleans. Going for New Orleans across the board, Ronan.
2: This is like two past-it boxers in the 12th round could cost each other into the you know, into the dirt and they're just hanging on to each other like two teams circling the toilet bowl New Orleans obviously technically playoff relevant so it needs more to them and better coached overall but yeah both these teams are so desperate right now a quarterback and everything due to injuries and COVID you can't really trust either team but hey look New Orleans get it done stay relevant for week 18 see what you can do Carolina out there already dead in the water in so many ways uh, see you next year
0: uh, Sean Jacksonville at New England we've gone for New England across the board
1: yeah, I mean, the Pats basically only need to win this one or the Dolphins game to get into the playoffs. I mean, this is the easier one to do. The Jags are all over the place at the moment. They're just a terrible team. I don't think it's going to be a great watch because I think we're going to get something no. a little bit similar to the Jags-Bills game, that 9-6 thriller from earlier in the season where the Pats don't, can't really get anything going offensively, but also their defense keeps the, the non-existent Jags offense quiet and ultimately it's going to be like there'll be one like fourth quarter touchdown that gets the Pats to like 13 points and that'll be enough to win this game. So it'll be an ugly one, but I kind of, I can't see the Jags winning a game for the rest of the season, especially since if they do, they'll end up giving up that number one, which yeah. might be quite valuable to rebuilding uh, going forward.
0: as I could see New England getting their run game going in this one and it being a little bit more distant, but yeah, I can't really see it not being New England's way. Denver at the Chargers, another one of the AFC Wests in the hunt for the wildcards. We've gone for the Chargers across the board. Look, they shit the bed last week against the Texans, but in theory, they are a better team. They have the quarterback, they have the weapons. We've seen them. have got two good running backs they've got wide receivers their defense is a bit spotty at times but like this is a Denver team that can't get out of its own way doesn't have a quarterback has incredible weapons but just no nothing to throw at them have we got confirmation are we getting back Teddy Two Gloves or is it still Big Cock Lock
2: we do not and we have no confirmation if Derwin James back for the Chargers so look there's definitely injuries and given they're both Chargers probably Covid stuff could definitely happen but look the Chargers you got embarrassed last week it was a farce Denver were are one of the least watchable teams in the NFL. Even with Teddy Bridgewater, they're barely watchable. With Drew Locke, it's truly, like, basically torture. So the Chargers at least have some entertainment, are still playoff relevant, or at least to a greater extent than Denver's slim, anemic hopes are. So, look, Chargers... You know, get get it done, get a little bit of faith and then we might give you a little bit of uh, hope or a little bit of respect in Week 18.
0: Maybe the whole point is that after the Chiefs have now won their sixth AFC West Divisional Championship in a row, that this is what happens when every single off-season is every single talking head saying this is the Chargers division. Stop saying that and maybe they'll have a good season.
1: <laughs> as, as long as they have Herbert, they're going to be talked about as, as a top team and eventually, I mean, he's going to develop into himself and he will be about putting the pieces around him but I mean I don't think the Chargers hype is going to go away anytime soon that kid's
0: only going to get better as the time goes on they need to temper it a little bit temper it a little bit (laughs) Houston at San Francisco we've gone for San Francisco across the board Uh, Houston surprised last week but San Francisco should be better coached they shouldn't mess it up as much their defensive unit was probably the best thing about them last week and hopefully that will be able to hold up against a Houston team that massively overperformed to the people that were on its roster let's be honest additionally look we don't know what's happening at quarterback for them if Garoppolo is there and they just kind of give him a very vanilla don't have him do too much stuff that's probably a good formula they bring in the, the 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 rookie and get him for a bit of a run out that's a little bit more of a wild card element but you got to imagine that this San Francisco team is going to push its way into the playoffs and be able to do anything. It has to be able to figure out teams like Houston. So we're going to go with San Fran in this one. Uh, Rams at Baltimore. We've gone for Rams across the board in this one. Baltimore and an injured dog. The Rams are pushing their way towards trying to fight for the number one seed overall. And they've really started to come into themselves, even though they have a couple of injuries that are going to impact them here. Even though they're on the road and it's a big travel, it's a very informed Rams team we're looking at here.
2: You know, they're playing well, except for last week. Uh, Stafford just had one of those Stafford days. And they're playing a team that's absolutely devastated from top to bottom via injury. Now, obviously, huge uncertainty about who will or won't be back for the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens have made a habit this year of turning games. They have no right of being in into close games. Uh, I think of that Green Bay game a couple of weeks ago. So I would never count the Baltimore Ravens out. But Rams should win this game. And if they don't, then... Both them and the Cardinals, to me, should be teams that we really shouldn't invest too much faith in as we get into actual playoff football. And so, Rams, you know, prove that you're a legitimate contender, that your preseason hype was worth it. Baltimore can stop them and win this game. They'll stay alive, obviously, for playoff purposes, but also uh, make a stay. I think it'll be more important what I say about the Rams than the Baltimore Ravens, to be honest.
1: Yeah, this game will be closer than we think and it'll be a bit of a fight, but. Uh... Yeah, You just can't overcome what the Ravens are dealing with at the moment, especially against a team with the, the level of talent the Rams have. They, surely someone's going to step up and make a big play to win this game,
0: but it probably will come
1: down to touchdown field goal difference in the end, I would say.
0: Next up, we have Detroit traveling to Seattle. Uh, me and Fitz have gone for Seattle. Sean's gone for Detroit. Uh, Fitz, tell us a little bit about this
2: both these teams are bad yep Seattle are hoping to do something at the end of the season Rashad Penny's playing well Russell Wilson isn't playing well so maybe run the ball a lot Detroit hope to get Jared Goff back maybe put up in their solid performance like they did against Arizona and they could definitely win this game but both teams playing at the string Detroit have a bit more ambition to them right now
0: Seattle could easily collapse here Okay, your pick of the week is up next Arizona-Dallas me and Fitz have gone for Dallas and Sean's gone for Arizona
2: This is a game where the form book says that Dallas should be heavily favoured. They finally had a game where the offence looked like its old self against Washington. Their defence is truly turning into one of the most fearsome units in the league. They have absolutely annihilated some teams off the face of the earth recently, albeit two of those came against Washington. And Arizona's offence has been very, very iffy and inconsistent recently. I think, you know, Sean... Picked on something very important then with the lack of James Connor and, and DeAndre Hopkins, because I think you know they're the two guys that you can trust in the close when you know it's a tough yard um, or a tough catch. Those are the guys that Kyler Murray has traditionally you know handed off or, or thrown the ball to, and all they really have left are. For lack of a better term, the finesse guys, the AJ Greens, the Christian Kirks, the Rondale Moore, so he's currently injured as well. and the Chase Edmonds, a running back, the guys who, if you give them a pocket, or if you give them some space, they will absolutely, you know, devastate you and give you you'll give up a really big chunk play. But if you force them to catch in contested situations, if you give them a stacked box, they are usually quite well controlled and contained so that's the problem for Arizona right now like they're a team that a bit like the Rams in the middle of the season just look a bit soft a bit uh, erratic and of course that kind of comes down to the fact that their offensive game plan is very much you know supposed to be controlled chaos but you know if the chaos isn't creating those big plays creating the chaos for the defense basically then they look lost and they don't have the players who can actually win one-on-one anymore and Dallas's defense has shown that they are capable of going man-to-man Mano a mano, one and one, and winning their battles. Micah Parsons can do it at linebacker, he can do it at defensive end. DeMarcus Lawrence has come back and looked like his dominant self over recent weeks, and that's a very scary proposition for the rest of the NFL. Randy Gregory has been effective from him on the other side of the defensive end. Uh, their defensive tackles have been solid, um, and Trayvon Diggs has obviously been the, the, probably the defensive back of the year. Obviously, a boom bust type of player which is probably not exactly what you need in this game but you know given what Kyler Murray has been doing recently wouldn't be surprised to see him throw a couple of picks to Diggs and on the offence like look they have so much talent on offence in Dallas it's hard not to see them continue to be bad. We're seeing some of these teams like Buffalo and Kansas City figuring it out, evolving, and Dallas maybe have shown signs of doing that as well and that they're reaching the next evolution where they can take down the things that you know were slowing them down early this season. So if they get the pass game going with Dak, then that will unlock everything else. Maybe they should have more Pollard than Zeke because Pollard is, at this point, looks like a better running back. But overall, yeah, Dallas, they're on form. They're looking powerful. Their defense is very scary and Arizona just like a team that's spinning around and isn't able to go one-to-one with uh, these types of teams at the moment, Sean, you have some faith left in Arizona. I'd be interested to hear what that what what's yeah. Got you them I think it's more. I think it's
1: more about the fact that I don't trust this Cowboys team. Look, I mean, do we forget the fact that this Cowboys team, for especially on the offensive end, had a good six or seven weeks where they looked. Pretty mediocre. I mean, they were dealing with injuries, sure, but they, but they kind of felt that there was no dynamism there whatsoever. I like, I okay, I admit that the Cardinals are in free fall a little bit. Their offense kind of stopped working, but I like their defense. I think that defense will challenge the Cowboys in a way that the Cowboys don't like to be challenged. They're still, they're still at Cowboys at the Cowboys. End of the day, they're still going to have that soft core where, where someone gets at them, the all that the various politics upon which that team is constructed begins to fall apart, and, and everyone begins to realize that they're, you know, everyone's afraid of making mistakes. The Cowboys because they. Realize they could be kicked out um, if they do. And I, I think that does hold them back. And this is a game in which Cardinals feel their season is slipping away. They maybe trying and get things together for, you know, a big game. And their defense is, is better than we think they are. And the Cowboys, I mean, I also, I mean, okay, the Cowboys' defense is explosive, but I think we've talked about the fact that they're not actually as decisively, that they have big plays, but they're not necessarily consistently powerful uh, in games uh, unless they're beating up NFC East teams, which, let's be honest, anyone can really do. So I, I think that we can maybe get off the Cowboys hype train just a little bit and and talk about the fact that these are two very good teams who are probably well matched and on your day I mean I just I don't know I I feel that the Cardinals have one more big performance in them I don't think they're going to go quietly into the night I think this is a game it's going to be on Fox whatever with Troy and Joe Buck and the entire nation watching and I think Kyler's going to show his stuff
2: now I understand you just love seeing like Buck and Troy being depressed yes (laughs) I do I do love watching them be sad
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Troy Eggman's sad voice when the Cowboys are losing is one of the one of the reasons I, I watch the NFL. I must admit,
0: very good, very good. And on on that very technical point, I can see why you've gone with Arizona, Minnesota, Green Bay. We've gone for Green Bay across the board on this one. As I said, this is a team that is like driving hard towards the number one seed overall. Have been almost you know, been absolutely lethal whenever they want to against teams, but have a tendency to take their eye off the ball, let teams sneak back into it, and maybe, as, as, as Fitz has said a couple of times, have a bit of a soft underbelly to them. They haven't really been pushed as much. Minnesota in this game, which means they will normally play pretty hard against them. Minnesota also means that they'll normally keep it to within a score at the back end of it. Green Bay are a winning team, so we can't imagine Minnesota will be victorious in this. But this is, as I said, a Minnesota team who always ends up playing things for some reason and a Green Bay team that now they're calling card is that they allow teams to play them close even though they shouldn't so this is probably going to be within half a point yeah objectively
2: <laughs> this should be the final curtain for the Minnesota Vikings the destiny as I've said of making the playoffs perhaps I was wrong but and I'm picking Green Bay because objectively I can't pick Minnesota in this game like uh, you know sometimes you just have to go with what the facts say but yet Minnesota against Green Bay this was the big win that they had in the middle of the season that got some people on the Minnesota bandwagon like I've never been on the Minnesota bandwagon I've obviously just seen them as a slightly above average team but on Sunday night football against Green Bay this could easily turn into a route. like obviously Aaron Rodgers is a thing or two to prove but yeah I think you're right Minnesota they play weird games they're kept in games for no good reason like for, for some reason Matt Stafford want them in the game until the end uh, on, on Sunday and so yeah this could get really really weird but uh, yeah on the facts should be the end of the Minnesota playoff push, and Sean will be very happy. Weirder things have certainly happened this year than the Minnesota Vikings winning in prime time. Though it would definitely be near the top.
1: God, I don't have to watch this game. No,
0: bigger a blowout, please, Aaron. Uh, Sean, your pick of the week's up next a very exciting one that will have well, I say a very exciting one it has a lot of implications <laughs> rather than necessarily yeah, being the uh, most exciting game <laughs> Cleveland at Pittsburgh me and Fitz have gone for Cleveland you got to keep the dream alive and Sean, you've decided fuck it, end their dreams Pittsburgh to keep the 8-8-1 and dream alive
1: Yeah, I mean I wonder when we look back at the 2021 AFC North will we remember this was a tough, hard-fought division where all the teams were quite equal and went down to the end of the line we remember all the 13-10 uh, slump fests that we had to sit through. I have a feeling this is going to be another one of these low-scoring, defense-heavy games where if you kick a field goal, it should be celebrated as, as if you just won the Super Bowl. It's going to come down to who makes the fewer mistakes. And ultimately, I mean, this is a situation we have to remember. The Steelers beat the Browns earlier this season without having a kicker. That their kicker got injured and they still managed to, you know, put up enough points to win them. I just have a feeling the Browns... As long as hope lives within the Cleveland Browns, they are destined to squash it. And the fact that they're still <laughs> technically alive in their division means that, that Baker's going to make Spoken a mistake. as a true Liverpool defense, fan. <laughs> Baker's going to make a mistake
0: or the defence is not going to turn up or something or Roethlisberger will have his last good game or something. This, actually, that, that is uh, something to note. This is probably, oh, sorry, I say probably, this is almost certainly Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field.
1: The Steelers offense has a tendency to only turn up for one quarter, which may just be enough uh, in these kind of games. I just have a feeling it's going to be like 9-6 going into the last five minutes, and then Big Ben will put on his his walking cane and he'll walk out there and he'll trudge down slowly down the field to get them the the game-winning touchdown (laughs) to finally end the misery for the Browns. Uh, I think Browns fans probably want this to be over as much as anyone at this point. I mean, it can't be enjoyable to watch this team the way things are going. Um, but yeah it's not going to be fun to watch but it's going to be narratively it's going to be interesting I think but I think I just can't trust the Browns anymore I just can't they've, they've hurt, broke my heart too many times I just can't trust them anymore
0: it's, My, my, my concern is like, Pittsburgh can't defend the run and Cleveland were managing like nearly 9 yards a carry and they've also their entire coaching staff have just been beaten for a week in the media for going away from the run so as long as they just hand it to Chubb 40 times they'll be fine in this game I think in theory but you're right it is it is an AFC North game it is Pittsburgh at home in probably the last home game that Ben will have for them they might just show up and do something weird just on paper this Cleveland team should not lose this game but because as you said it's a weird AFC North thing they definitely could I just don't think they should
2: You know, the destiny of Cleveland is pain. The destiny of the Steelers is 8-8-1. So I think the Steelers (laughs) will lose this game and then beat Ravens next week and Cleveland will have hope for one more week. Uh, to win the AFC North and then get blasted into the stratosphere by Joe Burrow in the battle of uh, of oh, don't, sorry, don't, Ohio. Don't they kind
0: of fun about Tomlin's first like non-winning, or his first losing season, to be that this is a draw and it ends up at like seven, <laughs> eight, and two. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Pretty Just sweet. ever it's so marginally in the bad, like <laughs>
2: Cleveland, run the damn ball. We've seen teams turn their seasons around like the Colts by running the damn ball and not trusting their quarterbacks we've seen tennessee do it we've seen indianapolis do it, we've seen the eagles do it just do that and you will probably win this game nick chubb is a monster the ernest johnson isn't a bad backup and your defense is quite good so you just have to stop Najee harris and you know stop short passes and you force big ben to throw it like 20 yards and you'll win this game so just get it done cleveland set up something and give your fans a little bit more hope and then see if you can get it done in Week 18. Whether Cleveland or Cincinnati got in, that would be okay. I just really don't want to see this Pittsburgh team anywhere near the playoffs. I know they're highly likely to get in, but even the chance of them having a chance in Week 18 just sickens me, to be perfectly frank.
1: See, the thing is, even though there's a this blueprint of how to beat the Steelers has been out there all week, the Steelers have still won seven games. I mean, they just have... They just have a way of winning games that, you know, the Browns, I think, have a way of losing games. So, you know, rationally run the ball and win the game. But, yeah, this Browns team is anything but rational in terms of how they approach games.
0: That'll, that'll do us for this week. Oh, good God, I hope a few more of these teams are dead next week. It'll <laughs> be great to not have to talk about Minnesota. But, yeah, any, any any plans for yourselves in the next few days, lads? Well, New Year's coming up, I suppose. Don't Probably
1: spend it here in that and then go back mm. home. But, uh, yeah, nothing. Keep it quiet. Enjoy the last of the... Christmas snacks and such like. Not watching as many movies as I usually do at Christmas, but uh, still. Yeah.
0: yeah. I definitely felt I didn't get as much of a run-up to Christmas this year, presumably at the working houses, but like, Yeah, like we were squeezing in movies at the tail end and over the Christmas, whereas normally we would have kind of watched a few in the build-up to it as well. I'm a bit torn. There's one or two films out in the cinema I want to go and see, but I also don't mad want to go hanging out in (laughs) confined spaces with a load of strangers.
2: Pretty close for myself as well, just uh, keeping it quiet, enjoying New Year's in peace, and uh, given the current circumstances, I think that's probably uh, the appropriate choice for most people. I've just, got, I've, just,
0: I've just got my booster so I think that means I'm immune now so I'm just going to go hog wild <laughs> on it but no I think I've got to do a bit of, bit of prep for a few bits and pieces and, and all that but uh, yeah I think we'll do New Year's down here and then swing up on New Year's Day up to, to Dublin and uh, get back to, back to the fun up there but I suppose yeah that'll wrap us up for this week uh, so it's bye for myself bye for Morgan right. bye for John right. it's been all four quarters. thanks for listening we'll chat to you next week